welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. Yes. How you doing? Mm, I, I like to try to be positive, but okay. Is I'm that gonna, actually true? Do you think that way about yourself uh, on the show? No, I mean specifically when you ask me how I'm doing, I try oh, okay. to be positive. All right, uh, and then it drops off pretty quick. Yeah, after. other than that, <laughs> not, a, not at all. Um, but here's what's irking me today. Okay. Part of it, okay. Stop me. I'm saying talking to the listeners who can't literally who can't actually stop me right now. But this might have come up on a recent podcast or it might have been something you and I were talking about off mic. Yep. Hard to tell. Yeah. Um, but uh, I I feel like especially among, you know, the people of the nerdier variety, um, which does include us. Um, but I feel like there's an impulse to like uh, like. I liked something, so I'm excited for more of it. Do you know what I mean? When like, right. oh, a sequel is announced or, you know, they're coming back and doing, I don't know, a spinoff, you know, like, um, you know, I, I mean, I think I talked about like, um, I'm excited for Rogue One because the director and the cast and the story sound interesting to me. Yeah. I'm not automatically excited about Rogue One because it's a new Star Wars thing. I think there are certain people who are just like, more Star Wars. I'm My default is excitement. I'm you know excited I mean? for the way that it's a new Star Wars thing. But I guess that has more to do with story uh, yeah. than just simply, oh, I'm here again. Okay. But here's the thing that has me all a tizzy today. Wow. There's like a real tightness in your body right now. I don't know if you've heard the rumors, the, um, the birth movies death is saying they're confirmed. Okay. Uh, rumors that the new movie that John Turturro is currently making is actually a secret big Lebowski spinoff. And he's playing Jesus, like his character from big Lebowski, even though the movie is going places a remake of a 1974 French film with Gerard Depardieu callback to last week's yeah. uh, movie journal. Um, and I'm my, 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 my first reaction is, Oh no, <laughs> I did see that. And admittedly my, my first reaction, cause you, you've had a, you've seen somewhere that it was confirmed. My first reaction was like, yeah, come on. And then I moved on cause I assumed like, yeah, that's not really going to happen. Right. I'm, it, I'm, I'm hoping that it doesn't. Like, are the Coen brothers behind no. it? No, uh, they're not involved in anything. No, thank you. If they're behind it, I'd be like, all right, there must be something that they want to do with this character. But no, that's so, awful. Yeah, so um, basically it's a remake of a movie that already... It's, there's a pre-existing story, yeah. and they're just, if these rumors are to be believed, changing one of the characters to be Jesus Quintana. That's his name, right? Yeah. Um, that has happened before. Oh, give me an example. I was trying to think of one. A Shot in the Dark. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is based on a play, uh, like a murder mystery comedy, um, farce. And uh, Pink Panther went so, did so well that they're like, that I, now I've never read the original play. I assume that there is a bumbling cop that they decided to just turn into Inspector Clouseau. Yeah, that's an, um, that's an interesting uh, uh, example. Yeah. Because um, I was thinking, I was thinking about like, like, Die Hard with a Vengeance was right, but that wasn't something that had already been produced. It was not a remake. It was just an existing action script called Simon Says right. that they changed to be about John McClane. Yeah, and here's the thing about A Shot in the Dark: Inspector Clouseau was the lead of the Pink Panther. Well, I mean, I guess he was co-leads with David Niven, but like he was a popular character and sh- and was on screen a lot. Mm-hmm. 
I find myself thinking that Jesus, as much as I would, as much as I will, I'm anticipating, I will appreciate John Turturro's commitment. Um, I feel like that's the character that we, we have seen enough of like, you know, I find myself wondering, uh, there have been, you know, I enjoy the occasional nice meal as you do going out to a nice restaurant. And one thing that you find is that at nice restaurants, it's not merely that they, they have the best ingredients mm-hmm. or that they prepare them the best way. It's that they've got the right portions. They have, okay. have you ever noticed this? That like, you know, having been raised on, you know, Applebee's and chilies and stuff, right. there's like, we're just going to get you with quantity. Here's a giant plate of yeah. food. Yeah. And then you go to a nice restaurant and it's a, it's a plate is about about as big as these mouse pads, which is like, here's a little steak, here's some potatoes or whatever. And, or I, I assume people eat other things. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I, my, every time that happens, I'm just like, Oh, I'm going to be hungry after this. And then you eat and you're like, no, they knew me better than I knew myself. Yeah. They knew. Yeah. That's what makes it a good restaurant. Uh-huh. I'm full <laughs> just enough as opposed to being stuffed, which is an unpleasant experience. And you're saying we're risking being, stuffed with jesus quintana <laughs> yes yeah um okay so yeah i mean we're talking about this specific example but just uh in general i feel like it, it, yeah this goes back this fits in with your analogy perfectly like if you're ha- happy with something that means you're happy with it as it existed yeah more of a good thing is not necessarily good yeah in fact it's very often uh at odds with the <laughs> Uh, intention of the original good thing it's uh it's that line from uh avengers age of ultron that uh what's it, that um vision says where he says a, a thing isn't good because it, it lasts right yeah you know um yeah that's and a it's, nice line that's it's a, a nice that's a good movie i know people, a, people don't like that movie people are wrong that's a yeah. good movie but whenever i see lists of like you know which you know because the marvel's like reputation in these whole phase one, two, three, whatever, um, is generally pretty good when people will say a few of them had dis- have disappointed age of Ultron often gets mentioned alongside like, I don't know the first Thor maybe is like, uh, which I also thought was decent. Well, yeah. it was half a decent movie. Yes. <laughs> it's yeah. I think age of Ultron it's, it's a bit, uh, to go back to a term I just used. It's a bit overstuffed, I think, but they're doing stuff. They're doing good stuff with the character vision. Everything vision is great. I like, what James Spader is doing with Ultron. He's one, he's actually one of the few, uh, one of the few Marvel villains that has a pulse, which is odd. Cause he actually doesn't have one, but, um, yeah, there's, there's, I like what they do with Hawkeye in that movie. Yeah, me too. Here's another thing that bothers me. This is way off track. That's fine. About certain people when in age of Ultron, when, um, black widow and Hulk have like, or having a, you know, a romantic yeah. uh, relationship, uh, there was there were a number of number of reactions that I saw that were like, and I think even kind of from Jeremy Renner himself, who were like, "What happened to the relationship between Black Widow and Hawkeye?" But they're just good friends, and yeah. like, it's platonic. Yeah, and I feel like that's there has to, we need to, and I know you agree with me because you've agreed with me on other, um, or, or you've expressed this a similar opinion mm-hmm. in other situations, like. We need to have space in our culture yeah. for people to just be good friends. Yeah. Like men and women can be good friends. Billy Crystal's character when Harry met Sally aside. Yeah. Um, I, I have a, a number of, uh, female friends that are, I mean, I'm as good a friends with them as I am with anybody, which is not 
you know, particularly, but, um, I used to have a number of female friends, but then I made out with all of them. <laughs> and afterwards we were just staring straight ahead. It was actually quite funny. Yeah. Quite but creative. I never like at no point in the first Avengers did I think that this was like when they would have banter back and forth, it'd be like, yeah, cause they're friends, they're buddies, they're yeah. like work, work buddies. You know, I never once thought that it was, that it was like, there was some sort of spark. I definitely, I got the sense of partners, like right. the way cops in movies are partners and like yeah. they care about each other. Like Bunk and McNulty. What was that? Like Bunk and McNulty. Absolutely. <laughs> um, it's, it, there's, it's, you know, the, where they care about, care about each other in a way that's actually somehow even deeper than friends. Um, like they've been in the, in the shit together, as right. they say. Um, not in that movie. They don't say that, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. How do we get, uh, I don't know. Something about oh. this going places thing, uh, with Jesus Quintana. <sighs> that is ridiculous. I, let's hope it's not true. Yeah. Let's hope that cooler heads prevail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and at the very least, let's hope John Turturro, and I, I, I won't begrudge him like it's an opportunity to like, you know, be a lead in something and do something kind of goofy and fun. But let's hope he just realizes, hey, wait a second. This yeah. isn't associated with the Coen brothers at all. I'm I'm leaving. Um, I'm going to break contract. Yeah. yeah. And especially like on top of this, this movie going places, the original. I've never seen it. I, no, I don't I, know it. I, I listened to um, an episode of do you ever listen to the Cinephiliacs podcast? No. It's great. You should definitely listen to it. It's I don't listen awesome. to podcasts anymore. Um, but um, uh, he interviewed um, the woman who programs the French film um, series at Cine Family, uh, which is great. I'm not going to try and say the name of it because it's in French and I'll mm-hmm. embarrass myself. And she was talking about going places. That's like it was coming up. She was going to program mm-hmm. it. That's the movie she decided to talk about on Cinephilix. And I listened to the podcast and I was like, great interview. No fucking way am I seeing that movie. <laughs> it's about... The premise is that it's two like con men or crooks. In this case, it would be Jesus Quintana apparently and Bobby Cannavale, uh, or just start is doing okay. the who team up with a, uh, a a woman. I guess in the remake, it's to be Audrey Tato, Tato, or whatever. Okay. Um, and then they find out that she's never had an orgasm, and they make a bet between themselves, the two men who can be the first to give this woman an orgasm. That's the premise of going. Places. How does Jesus fit into that <laughs> at all? Um, actually, you know, now that you say that, I mean, I feel like if there's ever any character who is confident that he could give a woman an orgasm, it's probably Jesus. It's the con man thing. I have a problem with. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't see, uh, he doesn't strike me as that organized, <laughs> you know? Um, anyway, so that I'd sounds say, like a terrible movie. I, 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 I made a point to not go see it when yeah. I played it in a family. And now, uh, everything about this remake, it's like they took, like, let's remake a movie that I had no interest in seeing in the first place and make it even less appealing to me. Yeah, they're just every once in a while there's a movie that I see is announced and I find myself thankful that the movie exists because you know, now I don't have to see it. <laughs> like, you know, it's uh I keep making movie analogies like Last Temptation of Christ when Harry Dean Stanton meets the non uh god Jesus and not Quintana Christ. Um <laughs> and uh and he says he says, oh, you know, I, I'm glad I met you because now I can forget all about you. <laughs> and that's uh, that's how I feel about some of these movies, <laughs> like the one you're talking about now. Yeah. Hey, that's one less thing I have to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's the, yeah, I'm I'm doing the opposite of circling that on my calendar, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. um, you're throwing your calendar away. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
All right. Well, why don't we pay some bills? Absolutely. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, this episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that's br- that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $5.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Now, David, I've got a question for you. When you think of the movie Midnight Cowboy, and I know you think of it often, you've seen it, right? I've never seen it. Okay. But you know there's a song associated with it, right? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, everybody's talking. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I knew that before I saw the movie, partially because I had seen it parodied in so many things like (laughs) The Simpsons. Um, Um, And... Seinfeld, right? And not parodied. Well, yeah, I guess they, they did parody Midnight Cowboy in Seinfeld. Which one was that? Um, well, it's I think it starts because George buys John Voight's car, which is not really John Voight's car, <laughs> right? But the at the end of the mo- uh, the episode, Jerry and Kramer are going to Atlantic City, that's and they're on the they're on the bus that's together. Right. That's right. And so that's that's one of those things that I've never seen. I've never seen Midnight Cowboy. Cowboy. Um, but I know, like, when I see it parodied yeah. in Seinfeld, I know the reference, even though I've never seen the movie. That's, and you know, I don't think I've seen that scene or that episode since, uh, since seeing Midnight Cowboy, which I saw only uh, fairly recently. Um, Man, you know what I watched? Speaking of Seinfeld, what's we'll that? get back to the. Just last night I watched the Puffy Shirt episode. Mm. And sometimes when episodes are such classics, you kind of forget, like, do you know what I mean? Like when some, or, or, or this happens with movies too. Yeah. Like it's like, Oh yeah, that's one of the greats. And then you kind of forget how great it actually yeah, the puppy is. Should I remember that one? And then you yeah. move on. Yeah. Like soup Nazi. That's another one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's also a great, like, cause soup Nazi is also the schmoopy episode. Yeah. But, uh, the best part of the soup Nazi is Elaine ordering soup. And she's like, uh, what is it? Is it split? I can't remember what, what the soup is that she's like, Oh, it's lima bean. Is that lima bean? Never been a fan. Yeah. Ah, ah, ah. yeah. <laughs> um, She's like but, extra obnoxious, but yeah. I don't think on purpose. Yeah. But, um, the puffy shirt, holy shit. There's so much funny stuff in that episode. Um, and it's mostly about, uh, Jerry, <laughs> Jerry's line readings. He's like clearly getting a, to be better at acting at that point. Yeah. But when he realizes that he's agreed to, and he's, and he's the way he says to Kramer, what are you crazy? Like, <laughs> There's so much edge in it. <laughs> yeah. It's not like a big reaction. Like, what are you crazy? It's yeah. like, oh, it's so funny. Um, and then I watched. Okay, we'll get another. I watched another Seinfeld episode, which is the the beginning of a uh, of a multi parter, but it's the one where, uh, with Marissa Tomei, where oh, George yeah. is trying to get set up with uh, Marissa Tomei, and Jerry is <laughs> while George is complaining about how he's. He, you know, he he can't get set up in the rest of my Jerry is just like blithely putting together a plate of pie and ice cream for some reason. <laughs> and he like gets a forkful of pie and he goes, ah, it's too bad you're engaged and takes a big bite of the yeah. pie. And then while George is talking, Jerry goes, this is no good. And that's <laughs> just on the plate. <laughs> oh my God. This is not, why, why are we doing this? But uh, Jesus Christ, I could, I just, I mean, there must be a podcast out there that's doing like an episode by episode Seinfeld thing. I know a uh, friend of the show, Rob Sesternino, um, yeah, uh, does, does it on uh, post show recaps. What is the point? Is, wouldn't it I don't just know. be that what we do, we, what we just wasted a minute and a half doing. Wouldn't that just be the episode? I guess it's trying to appreciate certain things. Like for example, you just, uh, mentioned m- movie. We'll get back to you. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Uh, 
you know, it's just talking about um, that line reading by Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld and the character of Jerry, I think, is the most underrated part of Seinfeld. People talk about George, Kramer, Elaine, you know, and as I get old, you know, when I was when I was younger, I loved Kramer. Then I love George because I realize I kind of am George. And then and now I think Elaine, Elaine is, is, is astonishing. Yeah. Throughout that, first off, uh, kudos to Jerry Seinfeld for allowing these conversations to happen as opposed to being like, the show's named after me. Right. It should be me. You know, he's willing to be just one of the four and, pro- and theoretically the least interesting of the four. But... When you think back, when I think back to like some of my favorite Jerry moments, they are some of the best moments of the whole series. Like that one part where he's like, he's like, I'm going to finish my coffee. Then we'll go see him cut this fat (laughs) bastard open. That's, I mean, you don't get, you don't get better than that. Yeah. And it's just, uh, and just, I, I guess some of it is the fact that like he wasn't an actor. So even that you could tell he barely made it through without laughing. Like it's a good thing he was lifting coffee to his mouth. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, so, so this is what you can talk about when discussing Seinfeld is like little nuances like that, but all right. So movie.com. Yeah. So the point is before we started talking about Seinfeld, I was talking about midnight cowboy. Yes. Uh, currently playing a movie is the documentary who is Harry Nilsson and then in parentheses and why is everybody talking about him? Oh, cause he wrote that song. Um, it is by, uh, John, I think it's, Oh, this is weird. I believe the director's name is John Scheinfeld. Oh, wow. That's very strange. Uh, so, and it is about uh, Harry Nilsson, the man behind the opening theme of Midnight Cowboy, but whose legacy uh, has gone on to be so much bigger, featuring interviews with Randy Newman, Yoko Ono, and several more. Um, it is a tribute to an underrated musician's place in pop history. Uh, and then there is also a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. We're back to movie now, by the way. Um, yes. There's a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try movie free for a month. Just go to movie.com. That's M-U-B-I.com slash Battleship to redeem now. Um, and I, well, I wanted to, but uh, first, Harry Nelson. Um, mm-hmm. I always, he, his version of the song Without You, which is Bad Finger song. Uh, okay. The lyrics are, I can't live if living is without you. Do you know that song? I don't. Um, but it was used in uh, a movie that, I'm, that I haven't revisited probably since it was new and is probably terrible, but I liked it at the time, called The Rules of Attraction. Mm. Did you ever see that movie? Yeah, I did. Is it terrible? I don't know. <laughs> it's prob- it probably is terrible. But I remember as a, uh, you know, uh, a, a young college student. Um, that's that's just, the age. Yeah. Uh, being impressed by a lot of its showiness. Like yeah. the split screen thing where at the end the characters meet in the hallway yeah. and it turns into one shot. Um, that's nice. That's, that's a showy. nice moment. Or there's the, the moment that I actually still kind of like with James Vanderbeek. Because um, he's completely an asshole of a character. And so yeah. something happens that like would be an emotional moment, but he doesn't cry, but a snowflake lands on his face and like makes it look like it melts and it makes it look like he cries. See, I remember moments like that and I, and I like it, but yeah. anyway, um, the Harry Nilsson version without you, uh, soundtracks, a suicide scene, which is a little bit on the nose. Oh my. Uh, but I always think of that movie when I think of Harry Nilsson now, that's, you know, speaking of music, I will say that last week, we talked about President Obama's summer playlist. Yes. Oh, yes. And uh, I don't know what prompted this, but we decided to release our own summer yes. 
music playlist. This is something that you came up with. You and I both thought it was a hilarious, fantastic idea. <laughs> yeah. And it was met with overwhelming indifference. <laughs> yeah. No one's like, I know. no one seems to care. I know. Uh, but I don't care. I had so much fun doing it. I put it a lot of thought into that it. I, I might want to do like seasonal playlists from here on out. Uh, you got <laughs> like, yourself a deal. Uh, as of several days ago, because <laughs> I, I had the same thought. Yeah. And so, okay. no one's going to care. In mid-November, we'll uh, put out our autumn playlist, or should it be sure. a fall? Pl- what do you think? Fall, I think. Yeah, but, but that, we that'll also make do- people think it might be songs all by the fall. <laughs> the band that's, The Fall. That's, that's my plan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, With maybe one from Fall Out Boy. Just, <laughs> just to be yeah, clever. There you go. But that's the thing. Part of me also wants to uh, do like an October one and have like songs that aren't necessarily scary, but could be seen as scary, but also, but are specifically macabre. Oh, okay. Um, which is basically just Tom Waits, the black writer, but uh, yeah, check out, uh, anyway, check out our, pl- our summer playlists. The, the whole point here is that you and I as semi-professional movie critics sure. have 100% as much authority to release a summer playlist as the president does. I did have that thought <laughs> that just like, president's not above me that's not how america works (laughs) i can do what i want you know he's not he's not actually my boss um yeah uh now what was your what was your um thought process behind your playlist it was different than mine i believe no mine was it was the impression i got from president obama's was that or at least the idea was as you as you and i talked about this thing was probably uh approved and reapproved uh, yeah. to death but the idea was here's just what i'm listening to this summer and so that's the approach i took i just kind of went through my spotify history and i was like what i've what, what have i been listening to a lot or what what bands have i been listening to a lot and then picking a, a song um because i had a mix of like stuff that is new this you know this summer like the mm-hmm. new uh dinosaur jr album and this uh band uh netherlands who have an album called audubon which is uh one of the best albums of the year so far um, it just went through what I was listening to. Um, and then some old stuff that I tend to listen to no matter what the time of year, yeah. like, like pulp, uh, and blur. Uh, Cause you know, uh, I, I guess a uh, Brit pop is all, n- never too far from my mind. So basically I just went through my Spotify history and I picked stuff I liked that I had been listening to recently. I, I specifically did not do that. Um, partially cause I just, I tend to just listen to, I pick like one or two albums and just listen to that. And I didn't want to like just repeat artists uh, over and over again. So um, instead I just went through the artists that I like and picked songs that I, for that I ha- some in some of them, it's a very, they have a very overt connection to summer, but in other cases uh, they, they just are, I just sort of associate them with summer. And then I put them in a very specific order so that there's something of an arc uh, to my playlist. So if you listen to it from beginning to end, you will kind of get the, uh, in my view, the arc of summer, specifically when you were younger and it's oh. like, it's all optimism and fun and excitement. And then, uh, st- starts to, uh, starts to turn a little bit uh, melancholy, uh, towards the end because school is about to start and the fun's going to end. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. I, um, um, my my sequencing had to do with like okay I'm gonna start well, I'm gonna start with the Beach Boys because it's summer, and then I kind of put like all the rocking stuff up front mm-hmm. to the point where I was like well because I 
I said self-censored a little bit because I do listen to a lot of metal and I know that that's not necessarily something that is universally loved, but I did have to put, I put like three or four, well, I guess five if you count uh, Iron Maiden, but I feel like they're almost like classic rock at this point. Yeah, I think um, so. But I put like five metal songs like right in the middle. So it gets like progressively more rocking until the, until the point that it's like, uh, um, like technical death metal and stuff like that. Uh, but then it comes out with the softer numbers mm-hmm. into some more soulful stuff. Uh, shine a spotlight on this guy, uh, which I guess people who are into music know who this guy is, but Michael Kiwanuka has like an R and B album out that's new. That is fantastic. One of the Hmm. best albums of the year. Um, the other thing that I wanted to highlight, um, now if you're looking at my playlist and you see white zombie, like, I don't like white zombie. It's like, look, I get it. I'm not actually a particularly big white zombie fan myself, but the record label, the numero group earlier this year, put out a box set called it came from nyc which is like super early okay white zombie like early 80s white zombie when they were kind of part of like the nyc like art punk thing um and they're super good songs <laughs> so that's what that is from that's not i didn't put like thunder kiss 65 or uh more human than human or all those songs you know when you see uh gentleman junkie the name of the song no that's that's from like the early iteration of white zombie and i do approve okay it's worth checking out this it came from nyc box set is is really cool it's kind of like we were talking about seeing jerry seinfeld become a better actor you can see over the course of like the three discs or whatever white zombie become the white zombie that would then be like a major you know uh major act in the late 80s but is that to you a positive or a negative it's interesting uh it's yeah it's i guess it's i feel like it helps you understand who white zombie are like, Oh, mm-hmm. there's, you know, um, where they come from being like art minded performance, art minded. There is kind of like a performance art, like white zombie has always been very affected, mm-hmm. you know, but I think at some point it crossed the line into just being like posturing and overly polished, you know? And I feel like Rob zombies solo career to this day is kind of like that. Like there's still germs in all of his songs that I get what he's going for. Cause I think yeah. he, I think his, musical like reference points are similar to mine. Um, but I think he lays it on a bit thick to where it becomes, uh, uh, I don't know, like, uh, <laughs> uh I don't know, like, uh, I don't know what sort of, I'm, uh, I'm looking for. Oh, well, Poser. Like, uh, like, like, like a, like a parody almost. Oh, sure. Which, yeah. Which yeah. I, uh, so that always turns me off. Anyway, we're done talking about the playlists, right? Or do you have more? Uh, stay tuned. Uh, yeah. if, if you haven't checked them out, uh, yet, uh, we're, I think we're both pretty proud of ours and yeah. we enjoyed it tremendously. So yeah. check it out and you can yeah. find some, uh, you can find some new music maybe. Yeah. Uh, I kept trying to listen to yours all the way through, but I kept getting called into meetings at work. Ugh. I was, I literally spent yesterday. I spent four and a half hours of my work day in meetings. Uh, it drove me crazy. Um, so I kept starting it, um, and then, uh, getting as far as the rolling stones and then mm. <laughs> not getting there. So I will listen to your playlist oh, all the way through. Uh, all right. But when you're listening to our playlist, you know what you should use is some great earbuds, which you can get from tweakedaudio.com. Uh, they sell professional quality earbuds in a variety of uh, really sharp styles and colors. Um, and they're available at tweakedaudio.com at a low, low price. Uh, but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So uh, go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. 
Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. We we did a lot of uh, fucking around before the topic. Yeah. Kind of like a uh, very old school battleship pretension in that Yeah. It's kind of a loose episode. But yeah, that kind of uh, is fitting for this episode because this isn't going to be a very long episode. But we, I, I did very much want to uh, shine a spotlight on um, the Sundance Next Fest, which I which I attended this, this past weekend uh, and saw a few movies and revisited some movies that I had seen um, at Sundance. Uh, or rev- I didn't actually go see all of the ones that I had already seen at Sundance because a couple of them I didn't like. Um, but... Um, I did repost my reviews. I feel like I'm well within my rights to do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, nobody's, nobody's giving you the third degree. Here. Yeah, I guess so. I know. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess. It, yeah, it's fine. Um, so let's just, it's, uh, it's only six movies. There was also a, um, a shorts program, but, uh, I didn't, um, I didn't make it, make it down for that. Cause it was like early on Sunday and I wasn't going and I had other things to do on Sunday. So I'd question uh, here. Uh, go ahead. Um, Tyler from Battleship Pretension. Uh, I'm actually representing more than one lesson here. Um, <laughs> the uh, so as a Christian, my question is: this. Remind me when we're done to talk to you about something uh, about a movie that I saw that I want to talk to you about. Oh, okay, yeah. Like when we're done with the whole episode? Yes, off mic. Okay, that's a weird thing to say <laughs> on mic. We'll talk about um, it on the on the next uh, movie journal. Okay, but I okay. very much want to talk to you about something. Um, so uh, what is? What is Next Fest? Like, I mean, I know what it, I, I okay. know what it is, so but like, it might not hurt to recap. Yes, uh, thank you for for, for uh, putting that out there. Um, it's Sundance Next Fest, so it is put on by the Sundance Film Festival, mm-hmm. um, and it is all movies. I think the original idea, because there is a like you know there are different ed- film festivals. Excuse me, there are different categories, mm-hmm. and Sundance has a category called Next. That's like here's some movies from like new directors that we think will be okay. uh buzzworthy. That isn't exactly what next fest has become. Some of those are, they're not, but they're not all from that. Uh, they're not all from next, but what it is, is they're, they're all movies that had their world premieres at the Sundance film festival. Um, and that have not like some of them have, uh, a number of them have picked up uh distribution, but, um, that have not actually premiered yet. Okay. Um, and they pair them with other, uh, other events like one of them um which I, I didn't actually get to go to this one but it had a um like craig robinson is, is the star uh, uh well he actually co-starred of one of these movies and after the screening they had a talent show judged by craig robinson um and then like for the afternoon ones they have stuff like that or they'll have like conversations like um um the director of this movie, White Girl, which we'll talk about. White Girl uh, has drawn a lot of comparisons to Catherine Hardwick's movie uh, 13. Okay. And so afterwards, there was a, um, moderated by uh, the excellent film critic, Jen Yamato, a discussion with Elizabeth Wood, director, director of White Girl, and Catherine Hardwick. Oh, nice. Um, and then the evening ones have uh, bands and musicians that play afterwards. Um, this first night, the movie that I saw, um, there was a performance by uh, Shamir, uh, who was someone that I think is great, and that was a that was a good time. Um, and then there was um, 
Sunflower Bean, I think is what the, I, I don't I, I don't really know much about this band. I like heard of them. I like coincidentally just heard of them right before um, the thing. And then Sunday Nights, which I didn't go to because the movie that they showed Sunday Night, if you remember, oh, and we'll talk about it again. Um, I did not like, so I was like, I'm not going to see that again. But it was Big Freesia, who is someone that I am a big fan of. So they have concerts. You know, tickets are a bit more expensive than a normal uh, movie would be, but that's because you're yeah. getting two things. You know, you're getting the movie and some other sort of sort of event. You make a night of it, David. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, and that's what we. Yeah, I did that uh, last year, and this year they had um, a thing. Um, they took over a parking lot next. All the all the stuff is at the theater at the Ace Hotel downtown, which is an, an awesome place. Um, and then they took over a parking lot next to it, and um, who's one of the uh, festival sponsors is Stella, the beer, and you could get mm-hmm. some free beers. And there was a, there were food trucks, and you could play um, cornhole. I guess you call it. Uh, you know what, what I'm it? talking about? Uh, the thing with the bean bags and the yes, hole yes. in the board. I, the name's stupid. It's gross. <clears throat> I don't know what it means. Um, anyway, let's get into the movies. Okay. Because the first one that I saw, the opening night uh, movie, um, uh, I had not seen before, and I was very excited to see it um, because our, uh, partially because our our uh, our third chair, uh, Scott and I, the uh, the third member of Battleship Pretension, yeah, um, loved it at Sundance. So I was very excited to to see this. It's called Love Song. Uh, it's directed by uh, Young So Kim, um, and it stars. Riley Keough and Jenna Malone as uh, good friends um, who have not, at the beginning of the movie, have not, the movie t- has two halves. The first half, um, they haven't seen each other in a while. Riley Keough is now married with a, with a young da- three-year-old daughter and her husband, his job tends to take him away from once at a time. Um, and so during one of this, you know, these, these periods of, you know, where she's feeling kind of lonely, her friend Jenna Malone comes up, they live in upstate New York, Jenna Malone, uh, Jenna Malone is not the character's name, the character's <laughs> name is Mindy. Uh, her friend Mindy comes up, uh, from the city, uh, to spend a weekend with her and do sort of a road trip around, you know, um, upstate New York with her and her daughter. Um, and so we just get this sort of, uh, snatches of them going to a rodeo or going to a, like a carnival. Um, and then, uh, one night in the, in, in the hotel, um, having a few drinks after the daughter's gone to bed and things cross the line from platonic friendship into, uh, the, you know, uh, romantic action. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, um, we see the sort of end of the road trip and then suddenly the movie cuts, jumps forward three years and half a country to Nashville, Tennessee, where Mindy has moved and is now getting married. Um, and Riley Keough uh, and her daughter, uh, Riley Keough is now separated from her husband, her daughter, she and her daughter come out to spend the weekend, um, uh, for the wedding. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the whole premise. Um, and, uh, it's a, it's a beautiful movie. Um, and I think it's the kind of movie where the, the like easy description of it would be, um, it would be wrong for me. <laughs> it would be misleading for me to describe it as like a lesbian love story. Okay. Um, because it's not, it's about to me at least. Um, I know what's interesting is that, uh, I, I talked with Scott about Scott. Uh, um, I talked with Scott about the movie cause he loved it. I loved it. We, but we felt differently about 
uh, about this relationship. Um, the way I see it is that it's a movie that's sort of examining that the the boundaries that we put up put between romantic love and friendship love mm-hmm. are not actually as thick and impenetrable as we tend to treat them as. We tend to treat them as two different things. I think with the movie, the movie by having the word love in its in its name, um, sort of uh, invites us to examine like um, you know. Love is love to one extent or another, and and uh, and it's not like these people, these two, um, stop being great friends because they've acted on something else. Right. Um, it's maybe just it deepens their friendship. You know, uh, it's it's a it's it's really interesting. Um, it's also a, a movie that has a fantastic sense of, um texture to it it's all sort of um it's all sort of gray and damp like it's all autumnal and damp but Mm -hmm. in a way that's not um put upon or or not a put on um that's making it seem dour it's kind of like this is what the world actually looks like day to day yeah um in most of the country not so much in southern california it's a different different, uh, color palette here but um the, it, it reminded me of living elsewhere. Uh, it, it just felt very um, immediate and 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 tactile. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any questions before I move on? I do not. Well, I will say this: it's never too early to start talking about the BPs. Um, oh, I know. <laughs> and I, I keep my my list of uh categories and oh, that you? kind of thing uh, yeah i guess i keep it in my head um maybe I'll, I'll get to that but uh i have definitely a contender nominee for me for the um performance under 15 minutes nice. uh, award because rosanna arquette uh shows up as jenna malone's mom at the wedding um and she's terrific okay uh great great performance i really like rosanna arquette i'm uh, trying to think what else i've seen i mean i i mean i've seen her in uh pulp fiction obviously mm-hmm Trying to think what else I've seen her in. Um, have you never seen Desperately Seeking Susan? I have not. That, that is uh, a movie high on my list of favorite movies of all time, I guess. Um, not, not necessarily something I consider one of the greatest movies of all time, as it's bad, but like for just personal attachment, um, I just love Desperately Seeking Susan. You should make a so top much. 100, David. Uh, I was literally just thinking about that because I looked at like. Um, Edgar Wright's top 1000. Uh, oh, that seems excessive to me, but to me, I, I, that's my problem with making a top hundred is like, where do I stop? Why not do a top 10,000? Like why not just rank yeah. every movie I've ever seen? Oh, <laughs> that's like kind of what I want to do. I'm sure I told you about um, that one time when for about five minutes I thought like, Hey, you know what I could do? Rank everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> Literally everything like against one another. Yes. Like, so it's just like so i'd be ranking you right against against, say flip-flops yeah applesauce against (laughs) well like so okay i'm currently holding an empty bottle of propel zero grape so there's an empty bottle an empty bottle of propel zero grape the concept of propel zero grape uh-huh. and then a full bottle of propel zero grape i gotta compare all those things to each other and then all of them to you and you know what you don't fare very well compared <laughs> to those things um, that's interesting yeah I, I, you and i um uh and scott who like keeps 
coming up on this episode for some reason. I'm um, not bringing them up. Yeah. I go, I go out of my I'm way. I'm the only one talking on this episode. <laughs> I go out um, of my way not to. But we had brunch recently. Mm-hmm. And we had brunch outdoors. Yes. You were not so happy with that. I'm never happy with that. I don't like. See, I have a very strict ranking system. Okay. Food outdoors in the shade is tops. That's the best way for me to consume food. Okay. After that comes food indoors. Mm-hmm. And then about 10 miles of bad road. Yeah. And then food outdoors in the sun. That is the worst. Yeah. I like they're both eating outdoors, but the shade and in the sun world of difference for me. Sure. I, I hate it, eating in the sun. Yeah. If I feel, it's shady, that's fine. Yeah. I feel like when I'm in the sun, I feel like my food has gone bad immediately. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it like does my food feel is like, like a vampire. Well, it's especially if you're eating hot food, like, because then it's just like, well, I'm hot and I'm eating hot food. Where do I stop and the food begins, <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah. but when you're in a nice air conditioned restaurant, like, ah, a nice hot meal, that's what I like. But yeah. if you're in the sun, it's like, I don't want anything hot. This is terrible. All right. Let's move on to Saturday, um, at next fest, uh, where I didn't go see, but had seen at Sundance, um, Morris from America. Okay. Uh, which is not a movie that I, I, you know, I revisited my review to see how I felt and it was not a movie that I liked very much. Um, which is unfortunate, um, because it's from the director of this is Martin Bonner, which I think you and I both liked. I did not see oh, it. Oh, you didn't see it? I, I mean, know, I, I just think... assumed you liked it because you would, you would like this movie. You saw it. Yeah. Um, uh, and, um, yeah, that, uh, uh, it's the story of, um, Craig Robinson is a single dad who is an American, obviously, cause he's played by Craig Robinson. I guess that's not obvious. He could play whatever he wants. If you sure. The accent. Um, but, uh, he's an American living in Germany and, uh, he's like an assistant coach on a, like a professional German soccer team. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has his son with him. Who's, uh, I think supposed to be about 12 or 13. Um, that's Morris. Uh, and Morris is, is the star uh, of the movie. And it's just sort of, uh, kind of, a, I don't mean to be mean, but it's, it's kind of a by the numbers coming of age mm. type of type of movie. You know, he gets in some trouble. He has a crush on a girl, but he's kind of yeah. a nerdy kid. Um, plus, I mean, he's an outsider in more than one way. Not only yeah. is he American, he's black, he's yeah. a black American. Um, and is, uh, so he's treated as, uh, more of a type by a lot of the German kids. It's not the German I know. <laughs> um, uh, but I just feel like the, the movie just, I could see it being a moderate hit because it hits a lot of, um, you know, formula beats. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it, it's just nothing that, nothing that leapt out uh, to me. Yeah, according to uh, my gym, uh, I would really like Morris in America because, for whatever reason, the network that they the networks that they have on the TVs um, play a lot of uh, trailers for it. Oh, I, so I didn't realize. Um, who do you know who is distributing it? Did, I have no you, idea. You didn't look at the logos on the trailers? No. Yeah, I know. I count on you for these. I'm things. sorry. Um, I'm, I'm David. I'm in the zone. I'm feeling the burn. I'm drenched in sweat. Hey, you're not feeling the burn. Wait, hang on. Which burn are we talking about? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I can't be, I, I, I tune the world out when I'm, when I'm working out, David, cause I like to, I like to get cut and all that. Right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't sure. Know. I literally don't know enough, like healthy terms and yeah. working out terms to like, uh, to even continue with that. So let's move to the next movie. 
Okay, uh, the next movie is something that I uh, did actually see there. Um, this is the one I, I mentioned earlier, uh, Elizabeth Wood's film, White Girl. And, uh, man, not to, not to like be negative two movies in a row, but I couldn't stand this movie. Well, you, you weren't a big fan of 13 either, were you? No, but at least that had, um, Holly Hunter and Evan Rachel Wood, who I think is a, is a very talented, uh, actress and was, it was at the time and probably has become more. So I definitely has become more. So I loved into the forest, which we talked about recently. Mm. Um, and this is a very, there's something uh, like, embarrassing about or like bad about morgan sailor's performance morgan sailor um people if people know her it's probably as dana brody from homeland the daughter from homeland mm-hmm. uh, you didn't watch homeland mm-hmm. right um homeland there, got really bad right uh was that the situation i would agree with that. i didn't finish watching I, okay for all i know it still exists like i honestly I haven't watched them in a couple of years i don't know maybe they're doing new episodes that's the thing though like i noticed in the pe- in the circles that i run in i noticed that people stopped talking about it yeah yeah they talked about it a lot like three years ago and then it dropped off yeah i mean that, that first season is pretty incredible um even though i think it has a um an unsatisfying ending hmm. uh the the first season um and then I tried to fight for the second season, but uh, at a certain point I was like, look, I can only be on your side for so long. Like, yeah. You're going to keep testing me with this shit. <laughs> anyway, um, but uh, yeah, so I can't remember what I was saying about, uh, so Morgan Saylor, her performance is, it's it's committed, it's exuberant, she doesn't embarrass herself, but it also seems like a very superficial performance. Um Basically, the story is that Morgan Saylor plays um, a white girl who's a college student. She lives in, or she's from Oklahoma City. She's a um, college student at, I, I think, an unnamed college in New York City. Maybe they do name uh, name it. Or I can't remember. But she and her friend uh, get an apartment together in in Queens, in a place where the uh, the rent is cheap um, and where they are essentially the only white people in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and they. Uh, befriend and eventually Morgan Saylor um becomes romantically involved with um one of the drug dealers across the street sells drugs at night like right across um the street from there uh, their apartment um and there's I, I think kind of like what happened with 13 it's like this is the movie that is it just seems like it's designed to be something that suburban parents like hear about you know what i'm saying like kids before that like yeah it's it's like an r-rated after school special or it's more it's less about the where after school specials were actually aimed in theory i guess aimed at the the younger viewers right. um this movie and 13 feels like it's aimed at parents yeah. like it's like be careful of your daughters and especially in this one, where it's a little icky, where it's like, be careful of sending your white daughter to yeah. <laughs> to New York to the city yeah. uh, to go to go to college. She'll st- start hanging out with uh, Puerto Rican drug dealers and have tons and tons of graphic sex and do cocaine constantly. Um, I, I will go. This has been my go to for years. I guess Get, in the real world, all sex is graphic, but in the, anyway, hang on a minute. Sometimes the lights are off, <laughs> um, but no, I'll go to my go-to joke that like, it sounds like this was produced by Jack Webb. Uh, uh, yes, yes. That, like, That's exactly. Yeah. But, but it's, I mean, uh, it actually depicts all, you know, it's not like, I know you have like this problem with 
Christian films, like not depicting any of the behavior that yeah. they, uh, this one, no, it goes all in to the yeah. point where it seems like it's often trying too hard, um, to shock you. Um, and that's, that's a, anytime I get the impression that something is trying to shock me. Yeah. Um, that's a recipe for boredom for me. It does the exact opposite. And we will revisit that idea uh, with another film later. <laughs> Sounds um, like this was not a great next fest for you. No, the, we're going to talk about uh, um, two more movies that okay. I, that I, that I thought were fantastic. But um, yeah, I, I, there was something else I was going to say, uh, you know, when the movie, the movie is at its best, um, actually when it, um, occasionally reminds you that like, because, okay. Yeah. So what happens is that her boyfriend gets arrested, um, and she starts going to great lengths, um, including like selling some drugs herself and, mm-hmm. um, maybe, um, offering herself up, herself up physically at times, um, to try and help him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it puts her to some pretty, in some pretty degrading situations. Um, and, uh, it definitely feels exploitative in, in that way, but, uh, the movie is at its best when it finds ways to remind you that because of her background um and her uh the the class that she's a part of the moment she decides that she's done with trying to help this guy she she can remove herself from yeah. he can't yeah you know um and i i think like that's that's the best but it's um it, it's it those scenes are few and far between um uh, unfortunately, uh, and they're mostly drowned out by the, um, yeah, all the prosthetic penises and the, oh, wow. uh, yeah, lots and lots and lots of sex. Um, and, um, Chris Noth with highlights in his hair. It's weird. Uh, he, play, he plays a skeezy lawyer. Hmm. Um, anyway, so that's white girl, unfortunately, but then, Okay, so I got to take a drink of water because I'm okay. doing all the talking here. Do you have any questions about White Girl? Uh, I th- uh, no, I think I'm good for the most part. Okay, um, I've got like one extended story and or joke to make per movie that you talk. Okay. about. Okay, uh, so the next movie. Now, this is a movie that I was very skeptical of going in. Okay, um, and it it really spoke to me, um, and I don't uh, I I do think it's because it's a good movie, but I uh, I sort of wanted like if white girl is about the, these movies actually kind of go well together because the white girl is about the, the, the way that it looks when a, uh, young, uh, white girl, a young girl, a young woman, um, gets herself into trouble the way extreme dangerous behavior looks for young women, right. uh, versus this movie goat. Um, oh, okay. Uh, which is about, um, the dangers of cranked up young, masculinity yeah um it's being i I feel like all the everything i heard about it was like oh it's nick jonas movie yeah um but he's a secondary character uh he's a very important character but he's the older brother of the main character the main character um is a college freshman who is pledging or rushing i don't know what the words are a fraternity pledging sounds right i guess i don't know you and i went to exactly (laughs) i often this is no joke and I might've talked about this in the podcast before. I often forget that fraternities and sororities are real because my only experience of them is in movies and like there were, they're usually yeah. bad guys. I'm like, when someone says fraternity, like the bad guys from eighties movies, is that what you're talking about? Except uh, all, uh, 
Except all, you know, whatever it was from Animal House. Like, they're, they're the ones yeah. that had it worked out. Yeah. Although I bet if I went to that school, I would not like those guys. <laughs> they would be bad guys to me. Um, sure. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, um, so Ben Schnetzer is the, is the actor, and he's terrific. Um, I feel like this guy's kind of an up-and-comer because he's all also, I still can't tell you what I think, but uh, he's also in Snowden. Um, mm, okay. Uh, and so this guy's one to watch out for. I think Ben Schnetzer, uh, plays, uh, this, this freshman, um, and he's pledging or whatever, trying to get into the fraternity that his older brother is already a member of. And that's where Nick Jonas, uh, comes in. He's, he's the older brother. And basically the movie just takes place over the course. It has a, a, a long prologue that I actually, I weirdly won't spoil the beginning of the movie cause it's uh, really interesting and really sets up, uh, a lot of the questions that we're going to ask. Um, but, uh, it, it, after that prologue, it basically just covers the period of them trying to get in mm-hmm. to the, the beginning of the first semester and all the stuff that the pledges have to go through, which is like all the hazing. It's the, it's a hazing movie, but I think where it, um, where, where, where it, uh, differs from white girl is that when it shows the bad behavior, it's not exploitative at all is there not even to condemn hazing or to endorse it, but more just to get you to think about, um, what, what, uh, masculinity and masculine competition, uh, drives people to do. And I think, um, for me as a, as a man, um, I, especially as a person who would never have ever, ever considered joining a fraternity yeah. and all of this stuff seems ridiculous, but I still kept finding myself watching the movie and like, and, and thinking like, Oh, I could do that. Or I could put up with that. I could survive that. Like, Interesting. And like it really like examining, like challenging my own, like masculine impulses and my, and like the pride that goes along with that. And like, um, uh, it, so I I might be getting more personal than I usually get in my evaluation of goat, uh, but I it definitely spoke to me and definitely made me think um, and consider things about myself that I don't normally have to contend with when I watch yeah. when I watch movies, and I found that really uh, re- really interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, that it, it's one of the reasons why I, I've always felt. Uh, kind of iffy when I express this opinion, but what you just said, I think is, is one of the reasons why I think, uh, this stuff that like, so there's 12 angry men and then there is, uh, another version for stage called like 12 angry jurors mm-hmm. so that, you know, you can bring in like female cast members and that sort of thing. Um, there's the female odd couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's something like Glengarry Glen Ross, which to my knowledge, they've never, tried to bring in like a female character or anything like that. What would it be called? Gwen. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) Uh, I don't know what the female Gary is. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but you know what? Gretchen, Gwen, Ruth. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) I think what we just did might've been sexist. I'm not sure. Um, no, literally just changing. It's not the name of any of the characters. Um, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like Alan Arkin is Glenn, but so is Ed Harris. (laughs) And there's Gary and Ross over here. 
Um, hey, Gary Ross, that's the name of a director. Um, how about that? But, uh, no, there, that's the thing is, uh, I feel like, uh, <laughs> there was real quick. Okay. I'll let you finish. Uh, I'm gonna let you finish. Thank you. But, um, Gary Ross is the name of a director. Yeah. Um, it was also the name of a guy who rented at my video store in Chicago. Oh, okay. I remember like asking him like, Oh, Hey, did you write big or did, uh, or whatever. And then and, like, not really like, obviously joking and then being like you probably get that all the time and he was like no not all the time like <laughs> most people yeah most normal people don't yeah. automatically automatically think of like the guy who wrote and directed pleasantville when you hear the name gary ross it's just nerds like us yeah that's not a, <laughs> you probably get that all the time no <laughs> no i get it from a, exactly one person <laughs> uh but no the the point that i was going to make is that I've never seen a production of 12 angry jurors, but if I had to guess, and this is not me saying like, it's like, ah, women don't belong in this uh, play. It's that if you get 12 guys feeling a little bit argumentative on the hottest day of the year, the fact that it's men and that there is an inherent competition, even in someone like you. Yeah. But here's, I feel uh, like it's, I'm going to half agree and half disagree okay. with you. Cause I don't think, if it were a bunch of if it were 12 women that everything would go swimmingly it's just the words as they were written were uh written with uh masculine characters in mind and so you can't just i don't think people's experiences of the world world mm-hmm. um and the way that we're conditioned to relate to one another and to problem solving um and i do think it's mostly conditioning uh, uh, almost entirely conditioning but um it's different between the between the genders or among among all the different uh spectrum uh and so i do think that you would have to write the 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 words would have to be different oddly enough if say so 12 angry jurors was men and women that's the idea if it were 12 angry women i feel like that would also work okay (laughs) okay but but if you want to have the if you want to have like the same it's changing up the script and stuff but like if you still want to have the same character arcs and still have the same essential dynamic in a mixed uh gender situation i kind of i feel like it wouldn't work quite as well but there's something about uh a bunch of men together or a bunch of women together that does bring out a certain degree of competition uh that second part is based purely on what jen has told me about the various (laughs) uh uh groups she's been a part of but um but yeah, and so something like goat, that's so interesting because I don't think of you as an incredibly competitive person. I am in my own way, uh-huh. uh, where no, ultimately this, this I just envy everybody. I, I want to make it clear, this isn't about competition for me. It's about being around men and being tested yeah, and being able to say, I reacted like a man. I behaved yeah. like a man. I, I belong. Yeah, I didn't like you know, I didn't wimp out. Yeah. That's, that's a big, as much as I don't like that about myself, that's like a big thing with me. Um, and it's a pride thing as much as it's a male thing. Um, all right. Anything else about, uh, goat? Uh, no, I, it, it sounded very interesting. And for a long time, like every review that I've, that I've read of it has said like, look, you need to look past the fact that Nick Jonas is in it. Like he does a good job, but so many people were just like, Oh, good. Nick Jonas is an actor now, but he's, I mean, he's, I'm sure he's very good. He is good. And this isn't his first thing. Um, this is, I guess maybe this is the first like big movie, but he's been on two TV shows. He's on kingdom on, which is on, it's like direct TV on the audience network or whatever. 
Uh, and then he's on Scream Queens. No, I didn't um, know that. In, or at least he was in the first season. I don't know if they're, because it's like an ensemble thing. I'm not sure if, if he's coming back in the second season. Um, so I I know, like, because I never really listened to the Jonas Brothers. I'm yeah. like too old to have, uh, you know, been into that. Uh, I know Nick Jonas as an actor. Okay. Uh, more so. Um, and also, to his credit, on both Kingdom and Scream Queens, he played a gay character. Uh, That's odd. Uh, it is a weird coincidence, but it's like, I don't know if it's like, have we got, maybe we've gotten to a point with someone of his generation that that's not like considered like a brave or risky thing at all, you know? Oh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know. I, oddly enough, wasn't even thinking about it in that way. I guess I was just thinking about it in terms of, I don't, I guess I don't know enough about Nick Jonas to know like the kind of screen presence that he has because not to imply that like all gay people are alike, obviously they're not, but well, like my understanding, I didn't keep watching kingdom, but I think, his kingdom character is closeted. Okay. And his scream queens character is, uh, very much not. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess, I, I guess I just have like this old fashioned idea of like, well, he's a heartthrob and like, he has to protect that yeah. or whatever. But, um, maybe with younger people, that's not a big deal anymore. Yeah. I don't think so. Good for them. Good for young people. That's how I, how I feel in general. Good Gen- for- generally a big fan of young people. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I am or not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not I'm, I'll be honest. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of most people. Yeah, that's exactly. Uh, right. I don't like anybody. Jen and I went um, to uh, <laughs> it's in the Seinfeld line. What uh, is it? Like, was it uh, Jerry trying to hook someone? Was fix Elaine up with someone? And was like, oh, he's nice. You like him? And she's like, why do people always say that? I don't like anybody. Why would I like him? <laughs> <laughs> and I believe at one point in a different episode, Elaine says, I hate people. And Jerry goes, they're the worst. <laughs> um, yeah. Jen and I went to uh, a concert at the Hollywood bowl last night and it was this a, is like all you do now. Do you have like season passes? Jen or? bought like, got like a deal on like four passes. So we're going to a lot of these. And yeah. Well, um, you told me like, Oh, I can't record on these two dates cause we have tickets. Um, so what I immediately did just out of curiosity is go to the Hollywood bowl calendar and see like, what are you guys going to see? And, uh, four seasons. Yeah. That's cool. I would yeah. definitely go to that one. Come, that on. I'm, uh, like, <laughs> Come along. <laughs> uh, who'd, uh, who'd you see last night? We saw, uh, just various works of, uh, from, uh, handle. Okay. And, uh, including obviously hallelujah chorus and that kind of thing. But, yeah. um, so I've gone to the Hollywood Bowl before. Uh, Jen and I went to see Paul Simon a while ago, and that was That's a lot awesome. of fun. Yeah. Here's the thing. In both cases, seeing Paul Simon and then going to this uh, essentially, you know, in a, an orchestral classical thing, um, we were surrounded by baby boomers. And uh-huh. if there are any baby boomers, baby boomer listeners of this first off congratulations on figuring out how podcasts work uh <laughs> secondly uh maybe turn away for a moment yeah. um congratulations on shutting up your complaining about millennials long enough to listen to a podcast <laughs> uh but yeah and man oh man I don't, I can't I couldn't quite put my finger on well what is the what is the situation here but it's just like these 60 something people who like it Paul Simon I'm fine with someone singing along I totally understand why you would do that mm-hmm. quietly um but like this is not a loud concert and mm-hmm. not all of his songs and some of his songs are very quiet but then and but then yesterday there are people 
singing along with things that had no lyrics. Were they just like, ba, ba, Yep. Ba. <laughs> yep. And just, and they've, and like there's behind us, there's like this, you know, fucking book club or something. I don't know if that's actually true, but just like, just a bunch of, a bunch of women all with wine glasses and just like laughing as they like accidentally knock over their wine bottle and then, and then like singing along again, not words, just but like, bum, 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 but it just, and it's like, this is, this is monstrous. I hate this. This yeah. is awful. I hope it's not, yeah. I hope not everyone is That's going weird. to be like this. Yeah. Um, now I think I'm, I, I'd have to be at the Paul Simon concert to know, but I feel like I'm okay with people singing along. Like I mean, that. like I went to social distortion and obviously it's really loud. No matter how loud you sing, you're not going to be heard. Right. Yeah. But there's something about like, and there was like, uh, during, uh, call me Al, you know, which is a, a, a louder song mm-hmm. and a faster song. And, and it was the, the closer. And so everybody stood up and everyone's singing along. He's singing along. The music is really big. That's fun. It's communal. But sometimes, you know, like sound of silence, you know, take the hint, everybody be silent um, and let him sing. But like people Hmm. were just, uh, again, I can, I can understand like there's, when I saw Tom Waits live, like there's a, there's an instinct when you know these songs and they have a personal, a personal, uh, resonance. I totally understand wanting to sing, sing along and maybe not even having, feeling like you have much of a choice, but at the same time, recognize that there are other people around you and I'm not even saying be totally silent. Just be quiet. Like yeah. I, I don't want to hear you better than I hear him. Right. So if you're listening to handle, it should be like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think maybe that's my second stipulation. Lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It you should know. be, should be lyrics. All right. Um, let's move on. Like I said, I, I didn't make the, um, uh, the shorts program, which I'm bummed because I really wanted, there's one in particular that I really wanted to see. Um, have you heard of this short film called Thunder Road? Um, no. It's apparently, uh, I only heard of it because it um, it actually includes the Bruce Springsteen song, okay. Thunder Road, which Bruce Springsteen had to like, he personally like approved. Like he liked the movie and was like, hey, you can use, uh, yeah. and apparently it's just um, a single take um, uh, eulogy at a funeral. That's the entire, it's like a 10 minute uh, film. That's entirely that it's supposed to be really cool. Hmm. Um, and I, I kind of wish I had, uh, made it, uh, to see that. Um, but I didn't. So we'll do these last two films. One of them, one of them is when I saw at Sundance and really liked, um, I really hope that it, um, gets the, uh, audience it deserves. There are reasons it should and reasons it might not. Uh, it's called under the shadow. Okay. It's an Iranian horror film that um it's a, it's a, it's a really it's a really good horror film but i don't know i don't know what kind of like uh outside of like a niche i don't know what subtitled horror does here you know i'm mm, not sure yeah. how if that's too hard to sell for for some people i mean it depends on I, girl walks home alone at night uh let the right one in like that's that did fairly well fairly well uh, but mo- amongst horror people but see i feel like those did better among movie geeks who like foreign films and then like certain horror buffs liked them but yeah. i don't know if the i don't know if the horror community considers a girl walks home alone at night uh uh, a major film of the past few years. I guess the only horror culture I know of is the overlapping with geek, right. movie yeah. geeks. So, uh, so uh, under the shadow is, um, a movie that, uh, 
very much doesn't start out as um, a horror movie. Um, it's it, it takes place in the early 1980s in Tehran. Um, so this is at this very 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 shortly after um, the uh, revolution in the uh, Ayatollah um, right taking over. Am I am I right yeah, about that? Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's a married couple um, with a daughter. Um, but new regime in place, they, they, they kind of had to set their, um, their, they were both med students. Um, and they kind of had to set their schooling aside while the, you know, war between Iran and Iraq was going, which it still is going when the movie starts. Um, but new regime in place, the mother is not allowed to go back to school. Uh, the father has, he's working as a, uh, a doctor or a doctor in training, whatever. And, um, the mother is essentially relegated to becoming, uh, to being um, a housewife, and it's not just uh, obviously you know the um, um, this regime has specific views on women. It's not just that she's a woman; it's also that she was um, did a lot of protesting. And, mm-hmm. You know, she was a politically outspoken woman, and so she's essentially being uh, punished and, and told. Um, by the regime and by a lot of her neighbors that like, no, you're a mother and a wife and this is what, um, the situation is for you. Um, and then, uh, her husband gets, uh, I don't know, not drafted, but, um, he's a doctor and he, uh, is told by the state, like you have to go to the front line for a certain number of time and serve some time as a doctor, so she's left home in this apartment building with her young daughter. Um, and, uh, then a, um, and an Iraqi like bomb or missile strikes their apartment building, um, the floor above them and it doesn't explode, but it's just there. Um, and the implication at, at this point, nothing I've described as a horror movie, right. but here the implication is that it brings with it some sort of spirits. Oh, and so, um, these things uh, start showing up in the walls and in the shadows and stuff, and are kind of they're clear. They clearly have their whatever these things are. They have. I'm getting chills again just thinking about the movie. But they have their sights set on the daughter. And the metaphor I think in place here is that um, this is this the the mother is a woman who was raised in a certain Iran mm-hmm. and has a certain set of ideas, and she can see herself losing her daughter yeah. to. A, a, you know, the new Iran and a different set of ideas yeah. that she doesn't agree with. That's, I think the, the metaphor yeah. it's playing with, but it's really just a, uh, super creepy, uh, uh, horror movie. It's directed by, sorry, I like to say the, um, I didn't say Andrew Neal directed goat. Okay. Uh, Babak Anvari, uh, directed okay. this. And you don't know what the, that sounds great. And you don't know what the distribution situation is going to be. I feel like I did at some point. Now I can't remember. Okay. Yeah, it sounds good to me. It sounds like a nice mixture of, it sounds like some Babadook in there, which yeah, I like. Yeah. Um, mixed with, uh, and it sounds like actually there's a fair amount of like a Pan's Labyrinth, just as far as the idea of like a war-torn situation right, bringing yeah. about this other stuff. But, yeah, uh, except it's, you know, the 1980s as opposed to the 1930s. When does Pan's Labyrinth take place? 30s sounds 30s? right. Okay. Maybe earlier. Um, and then finally. Let's end on a, on a down note. I don't even want to talk about this movie anymore. I know there are people who who love it. Um, it's called the Greasy Strangler. Ah, uh, yes. And uh, 
it's just like, like I said with white girl, it feels like it's trying so hard to be weird and shocking and gross Mm -hmm. that, uh, it's just bored by it. Who directed it? I can't remember. (laughs) I'll look it up. This movie has its defenders. Go check them out. Um, I know, uh, I mentioned earlier, the, one of the moderators, um, was, Jen Yamato, I'm a big fan of her as a critic, and I know because every press release I get for Greasy Strangler has her quote on it, so I know uh, she's a big fan. So go read Jen Yamato's review of the Greasy Strangler if you want something positive. All I can say is that this feels like a uh, really uh, faded copy of the kind of stuff you can see on the live-action Adult Swim shows, like from Tim and Eric Mm. and Eric Andre. I didn't realize there were two Eric's in those shows until I said it out loud. Um, it's cause it's super weird, but it, unlike those, which and I know some Tim and Eric stuff toward the end of the run. Uh, Oh, the director's name is uh, Jim Hosking. Uh, I know. Okay. Tim and Eric kind of ran out of steam toward the end of the run, but um, there was always an idea and a motivation um, and a, and a really, really great like kernel of, humor in everything that they that they did and i loved the tim and eric movie um yeah i, which saw, I, I, I saw can't remember the name it has a it has a name i can't remember yeah. what it's called um oh tim and eric's billion dollar movie is that so. what it's called yeah uh i loved that um watch that instead of this uh, it just seems like it's uh trying too hard it's just like it's super super gross um in terms of like greasy food and all that kind of stuff Ugh. um it also does the thing which used to be funny, this sort of anti-comedy thing of like, we're just going to repeat something over and over and over again until mm-hmm. it becomes funny. And it's like, yeah, that worked when it was a, when it was a new idea. Um, but like, that's like a family guy trope now. Like it's yeah. not, it's not funny anymore. And, uh, nothing about this movie is particularly funny. And one of the first jokes is, or first things we're meant to laugh at is a, uh, an Indian man repeatedly, uh, mispronouncing the word potato like that's that, that's the level of humor we're we're dealing with here um it's it, it, it's it's oh it's not worth your time uh, unless you can read these positive reviews people some people really responded to it and i don't have much patience for tim and eric so i feel like this would even doubly uh bother me though i did like the movie yeah i, I love tim and eric even though on on paper it's something because i don't like gross out stuff and so yeah. much of their stuff is gross yeah. um but that's usually not the generally not the point yeah it's it's a the way they're achieving their joke is through grossness but it's not like the point is not look how gross this is and i feel like greasy strangler wants you to think that it's getting at something deeper because it's so yeah. like self-consciously like weird look how weird this is um but really it's just gross and boring so it is it is giving the impression of artistic distinction but doesn't actually have it there's a word for that oh what's that pretentious (laughs) Uh, i guess this is not the kind of movie that anyone would describe as pretentious but it is a kind of pretension i guess yeah Yeah. um and that's i i keep wanting to clarify that's just my opinion there are people who really uh, enjoy this movie um and uh uh, people whose opinions I respect, which is why that's the only reason I keep bringing it up. If it no. was just like some asshole critic, like uh, yeah, Hollywood Elsewhere guy, or whatever. There you go. Um, <laughs> it's like the, he's like the only one we'll actually name. Yeah, Je- no, Jeffrey I, uh, Wells. Like, yeah, I um, 
like there are other critics you and I don't really respect, but it's just like, eh, yeah, who we, we, we won't, yeah, yeah, we're not going to say that. Jeffrey Wells, I'll say his name all, all day long. Yeah, he's got it coming. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, that's the Greasy Strangler. I got a, I got a, a press invite to it, and uh, so I was like, Greasy Strangler, that sounds familiar. I don't remember. So I clicked on it, and I, and just in the, just the image, I was like, is this some fucking Harmony Corinne thing? <laughs> oh, I wish. Yeah, and so, but then I was like. I don't remember much about this, but I remember somebody I know said it was gross and uh, <laughs> that I probably wouldn't like it. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll just skip that one. But uh, that's unfortunate. But hey, you know what? Listeners can go and find out for themselves. Yeah, it comes out on October. I'm not going to. It does not sound <laughs> good to me. The minute you said like, I mean, I enjoy greasy food, but I hate the concept of grease. Uh-huh. It's... Like it says greasy in the title. I'm like, I don't like this at all. And, uh, when you say that, like some of the gross out stuff has to do with greasy foods, like I am, I'm on every level. I'm yeah. out. No, thank you. And I'm sure it gets worse from there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, um, you can find us at battleship That's where you can find, um, movie reviews of all of these. Well, <laughs> At the time of recording, I'm, uh, there's a couple that still need to go up. Uh, hopefully, by the time you're hearing this, they're up. Um, you can do it. I'm betting on you. Yeah. Um, uh, and you can find all sorts of other movie reviews and all sorts of other uh, fun stuff at battleshipretention.com. Uh, you can email us at david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter uh, at Davey Pretension. You can follow Tyler at Tyler Pretension. Uh, tyler, what's going on at your other podcast, More Than One Lesson? Well, David, I, I know you and Reed yeah. got into something. We sure did. We got into, uh, into some packages and just went rifling through them. Now, um, so there's a, I won't go into a lot of detail, but um, there's, there's a website called Movie Guide. It's been around for a long time. It's a Christian website that obviously is, talks about movies. Um, I don't really like a lot of what they do, and I don't like a lot of their philosophy, but they put out an article last month that was talking about, it, it was referencing this study that like a university in Vermont did uh, about story structure and stuff. And so they talk about that study and then say, well, this, uh, we don't agree with this study and all that. Meanwhile, it's like, this study is not giving an opinion. <laughs> it's studying and observing. Uh, so already we're not in great place, but, um, but the way that this article puts out ideas of like what's what story structure should be and the types of movies that it thinks people should want and that it thinks people do want and then just the 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 number of assertions that they make in this article I think is is bad and so you know if you are a let's say you're a Christian screenwriter and you read this I feel like it's going to give you some bad ideas and if you're a Christian movie watcher and you read this, I think it will give you some even worse ideas as far as what qualifies as a good movie and that kind of thing. So we, we kind of dig into that and, uh, it gives us an opportunity to talk about, uh, structure and screenwriting and that sort of thing. But ultimately, um, it's more just, uh, it's not often I really delve into why I started more than one lesson, Mm -hmm. this article and, uh, articles like it is why I is one of the reasons I started more than one lesson. Um, cause I feel like it's just incredibly, this is a joke I make. I think, uh, movie guide, I think is miss movie guided. 
I thought I thought you would like that. Uh, find that at battleship uh, battle, uh, more than one lesson dot com. Um, I do have another podcast called Hey Watch This. Uh, I think we're on a sort of hiatus right now due to some health issues. Um, hopefully, we'll uh, be back soon. Um, we'll definitely be back in some in some form. Uh, but you can find old episodes of BattleshipRetention.com. So uh, that's it. Thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 